covered four of these blessed are statements that are found in the Sermon of the Mount, which Jesus preached in uh, Matthew 5. And as an eldership, we kind of felt that it was uh, worthwhile exploring that series and, and, and uh, finishing that series, continuing it and completing it at a later date. And so over the next four weeks, uh, we will be covering the last four of the blessed are statements, which uh, are also known as the Beatitudes. And though these, so these four statements or these four Beatitudes that we're looking at um, are called Beatitudes because the word uh, Beatitude comes from the Greek word Beatus, which means blessed, uh, and it means favored. And the Beatitudes are part of a passage of Scripture uh, that is known as the Sermon, 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 what's a Sermon? I don't know. The Sermon on the Mount, where Jesus sat and he taught uh, all sorts of things regarding uh, life and uh, a life dedicated to God's kingdom. And in the Sermon, Jesus, sermon on the Mount, Jesus teaches about uh, you know, marriage, he teaches about adultery, murder, um, about pleasing God, prayer and fasting, uh, and, and worry, just to name a few. Uh, and if you ever wanted to kind of see drama at its best, man, just have a look through some of the books in the Bible and you'd see that in there, it's just full of uh, drama and stuff that goes on with real people uh, in their lives. And so uh, the Sermon on the Mount is a, is a passage that's been used uh, in many messages and many illustrations talking about Christian living. And what uh, Jesus uh, was doing in delivering uh, that message on the mount uh, was not just sharing a whole lot of uh, great ideas and a whole lot of tips for us to take away, but Jesus was establishing and kind of laying down uh, almost like a new set of conditions and a new set of attitudes relating to the people who would become uh, members of the kingdom of God. Uh, he had these conditions and these attitudes which he outlines there, these behaviors that he outlines, which uh, in, in his time uh, was in direct opposition to some of what the religious leaders considered to be acceptable uh, to God. And uh, in fact, uh, Jesus was mentioning the characteristics of those who uh, may have been uh, even rejected by this elitist uh, sta status of society uh, in that time. So the, the very people that, that Jesus was talking about were the sorts of people who got overlooked uh, because they weren't considered um, good enough or, or fit enough because of their physical appearance or their status in society or uh, where they'd come from. And so uh, over the next four weeks, we're going to be uh, looking at verses, uh, Matthew 5, verses 7 to 10. And so let's have a read of those uh, this morning. It says, blessed are the merciful, for they shall obtain mercy. Blessed are the pure in heart, for they shall see God. Blessed are the peacemakers, for they shall be called sons of God. And blessed are those who are persecuted for righteousness' sake, for theirs is the kingdom of God. And let's pray this morning. Heavenly Father, we thank you, Lord. Uh, for your word. Father, we thank you, Lord, for your son, Jesus, who is the living word uh, and uh, our example of, of righteous living here on earth. Father, I just pray this morning that 
Uh, you would use me, Father God, this morning to deliver uh, your message to each and every person in this place. Father, I pray by your Holy Spirit, bring personal revelation to each person's life, Father, from your word. And Father, we just uh, pray that as we kick off this series, Lord, we just ask your anointing and your blessing over Abraham and over Phil, Father, as they prepare to deliver uh, their parts of the series in the coming weeks, Father God, that we may, uh, Lord, all be in unison with your spirit, Father, all be in unison with your will, and Lord, that as a result of that, uh, we may all be blessed. In Jesus' mighty name we pray, amen, amen. And so we're looking at Matthew uh, 5, verse 8, which reads, blessed are the pure in heart, for they shall see God. And so right from the outset, I want to point out uh, the, the two parts that makes this verse. And so whenever you see the word uh, for, whenever you see the word and, uh, therefore, um, so, uh, or the word, uh, what was the other word? No, that was all of them, I think. There might be some others, I'll let you know later. Then, then, oh, there you go, my theologian there. Uh, when you see these words uh, in the Bible, it always pays to have a look at the phrases that appear either side of that word to kind of look, okay, well, how does it relate to, how do they relate to each other and how do they impact each other? And so here we have a four that I kind of thought, okay, well, let's, let's have a look at it. And um, blessed are the pure in heart. And so right, right at the outset, we have a, we have a, uh, you know, we have a subject and a promise. So the subject are those who are pure in heart. And there's a promise. Blessed are they who are pure in heart. And then the verse goes on to say for, which then implies that there is an impact for being someone who is pure in heart. So you're blessed for you shall see God. So blessed are the pure in heart, for you shall see God. And the no translation that I looked at, uh, especially not the main ones, does it suggest uh, any doubt about exactly what that verse says. There, there's no question about uh, seeing God if you're pure in heart and being blessed uh, to see God. There's, there's no uh, you might see God uh, if you're pure in heart. There's no, well, maybe if you continue to just, uh, you know, remain uh, or, or walk a certain way. There's no suggestion that if you do anything that, uh, that, that, that if you do anything that it will keep you, uh, if you do anything that, oh, I just completely lost my chain of thought. But you know what I mean. Did I make any sense before I got lost? Good. I'm glad it made sense to all of you. Um, but they all stated as a, a matter of fact that blessed are the pure in heart, for they shall see God. You know, does anyone want to see more of God in their life? Does anyone want to see God in greater ways within their life? Uh, I know that I certainly do. And so we're going to unpack um, this in, in a message that I've titled, The Pure in Heart. Because as we're told here, it's the pure in heart who see God. And uh, our first point this morning is to assess the condition of our heart. 
So if you're taking notes, assess the condition of our heart. And this relates to uh, a purity of heart. So the word pure means not mixed, spoiled, or contaminated with any other substance or material. So to be pure is to not be contaminated, not be uh, mixed with any other substance or material. And the Greek word for pure in Matthew 8, uh, Matthew 5, 8 is the word katharos, and it means clean, blameless, unstained from guilt. Uncontaminated, clean, uh, unblemished from anything. And so we kind of get a picture of what purity looks like. You know, there was a week, there was a week not so long ago when I was having my uh, morning coffee at home, and, and it was one of those mornings where I got up and I could smell something funny in the kitchen. Has anyone ever had one of those mornings? I could smell something funny in the kitchen, and so I kind of had it, no, no one, just, it's just us, babe, we need to be, to be a bit cleaner around the house. Um, but there, there was something that smelled funny, and so there was this bad odor, and, and so I was kind of, I kind of thought, oh, well, I'd have a look around and see what I could find, and I, I couldn't find anything. Um, so I, I had my coffee, and I noticed my coffee tasted a bit funny, um, and, and I was like, well, um, you know, it, it was bad enough to know that something was funny, but not bad enough to do any, to, to actually check further than the milk, you know, it's like the first thing you ever check when your tea tastes funny is the milk, anyone else like that? So I checked the milk, and, and no, the milk was fine, and so I just decided, oh, well, I'll, I'll, I'll just carry on, it must just be me, maybe I'm smelling something funny uh, in my nose, and uh, and so I went on and, and thought it probably was probably nothing. And so uh, the next day, uh, I went to have my coffee, and I could smell it again. I was like, oh, man, there's, there's something not quite right here. And so I had a look around the, the counter where the kettle sits, and uh, I had a look, you know, go, kind of sniff around the kitchen to see what you can find. And, uh, and, and there was nothing. And so I tasted my coffee, and it tasted, you know, a, a little bit odder been the previous day, and so I was like, oh man, this milk really, this milk's gone off since yesterday, it's gone worse, so I went and checked the milk, and uh, you know, no, no, the milk was fine, and so I was like, oh, oh, maybe I just had two bad days with my sinuses or something, uh, and, and then the next morning, <laughs> and then the next morning I had, I came in, and, and it was there, and it was worse, and I was like, man, what's that smell? And so I had a look around everything, and, and I saw nothing. Um, and, and, then, and then kind of, you know, you sniffed the milk again, and the milk smelled fine. Um, and then I noticed the kettle, um, you know, the kettle was kind of low on water, so I went to fill up the kettle and open it, and there was a dead cockroach inside the kettle. <laughs> Which was the smell that I'd been smelling and drinking for three days. <coughs> and so, I think I'd mentioned this now to Debbie, but none of us did anything about it. <coughs> and so, and so Debbie had been having her coffees out of it. Um, I'd been having my coffees out of it. The girls had been having their hot chocolates <laughs> out of it. Uh, and none of us kind of picked up uh, what was kind of going on until a few days later. But I think, uh, you know, I think you could say that just going on the smell alone, that that water 
was contaminated and impure. And that this little cockroach had contaminated our drinking water. You know, for some reason, I haven't needed to have as strong a coffee since that day, but uh, we had a different kettle, yeah. I think we just threw the kettle out. We were so disgusted by it. Pure, not mixed, contaminated, or spoiled with any other substance or material. You know, the word pure here also refers specifically to things that are being purified by fire and by pruning. Where have we heard those ideas before? You know, John 15, where Jesus talks about being the, the gardener who prunes. Um, and so uh, in Matthew 3, verse 11, we read John the Baptist. He says this, I indeed baptize you with water unto repentance, but he who is coming after me is mightier than I, whose sandals I am not worthy to carry. He will baptize you with the Holy Spirit and fire. You know, John the, Bapti- John the Baptist told people that Jesus would baptize with this fire and with this Holy Spirit. And this is, this is not the fire that we see uh, in Acts 2 with tongues of fire. This is not the fire we see uh, in, in the Old Testament where we've got the burning bush uh, that doesn't get consumed. This, this is the all-consuming, refining fire of God through the Holy Spirit that cleanses all things. Amen? That cleanses us uh, and that sets us free. You know, in Malachi, uh, he, he speaks of, of the Messiah as being like that refining fire. And it's that fire that burns away the rubbish, that burns away blemishes, that burns away the impurities, that burns away imperfections. Uh, anything that is not meant uh, to be there uh, is burnt away and pruned um, to bring purity back to the original object. And so through Jesus, uh, there are two things that take place, uh, I believe, with purification. The first is a salvation. And we've all heard that Jesus, through salvation, uh, cleanses us, cleans us, and sets us free. That's instant. So that is, uh, that is a change in our position as being um, you know, people who aren't in the family of God to being people who have been uh, washed clean by the blood of Jesus and then stand righteousness, righteous before God, not because of anything that we've done, but we stand righteous before God because of who He is, because of His love, and because of what Jesus has done. And so that's, that's the instant one where, you know, the instant purification where through Jesus we're made clean by our free will decision. And, uh, you know, if you're here this morning and you haven't taken the opportunity to, take, to make that decision, then uh, it's always a pleasure to offer that opportunity to say, uh, you know, Jesus, I follow you. I will submit my life to you. <clears throat> and then the second uh, thing this morning is sanctification. And sanctification is a gradual process. And the word means, uh, the word sanctification literally means the removal of contaminants. The removal of contaminants from something. So it's that purifying of something. And so that's an ongoing journey uh, that we're all on, that Christ uh, is at work in our lives, continually making us more into the image of God and into his image, who, he who is all pure. 
So what's the condition of our hearts as it relates to purity through salvation in Jesus and as it relates to purity in sanctification and in his sanctifying work? Uh, we're going to unpack that a little bit more as we uh, look at our next point this morning, which is to address the condition of our heart. And this is about taking action. Once we've had a look at how things are going uh, within our own heart. You know, the psalmist says in Psalm 51 verse 10, Create in me a pure heart, O God, and renew a steadfast spirit within me. God is the one who makes our hearts clean. It's God who makes our hearts pure. Through the sacrifice of his son and through the sanctification and the sanctifying work that he continues to do in our lives. And you know, for those who, for those uh, family members and for those friends around us who haven't invited Jesus to be Lord and Savior of their lives, you know, a decision of faith towards salvation, that decision of faith towards accepting Christ into their life is the step that's required to obtain the pure heart that is talked about here in Matthew. But even us, uh, as we kind of walk through uh, our journey of sanctification, we still need, uh, I believe, to, to address and to assess the condition of our heart. It's kind of looking at where we're at with God and asking, have, have I become cynical about the kingdom of God and about what God's doing uh, in my life? It's asking, has my heart become hardened to what God is doing in my life? Have, have I become resistant to his pruning? Have I become resistant to his refining fire? Because being pure in heart involves having a singleness of focus and devotion to God. Amen? And it's more than an external purity of our behaviors, but it's uh, as, as it speaks of the heart here, it speaks of our inner man and of our inner being. It's, a, uh, it's an internal purity of our soul. Now, there, was a scholar, there, was a, there was a Scottish uh, Bible college professor who uh, was also a minister and, and pastor. Uh, he was an author uh, in Scotland and, and a radio and TV presenter uh, by, the, by the name of William Barclay, who wrote uh, this description describing people of pure hearts. Uh, he said, uh, pure may describe the heart that is free of contaminated motives. It's perhaps, it perhaps represents that ideal state of mind of a person who longs to serve God and others for the sheer unselfish joy of honoring the Creator. And thus free of bias motives. I love what he says there, to serve God and others for the sheer and unselfish joy of honoring the Creator. So those who are truly pure in heart have been declared innocent because of the work of Jesus. Again, that cleansing 
of his blood at salvation and are being sanctified by the refining fire and his pruning. So my question whenever I always read something like that is to ask, is that me? Is that me? And then finally this morning, as Abraham comes, our final point is to go and see God. Don't we all want to see more of God? Don't we all want to see more of what God is doing um, around us? You know, I would often pray that God would reveal himself. And uh, here in this verse, I see that to see God requires that I play a part to remain pure in heart. I believe that God is at work in the world around us and that God is at work uh, in our community and in, in our midst. You know, as, as we meet together, I believe God is at work in people's lives. And what we've seen this morning is that uh, a pure heart is one that is possible only through Jesus and is maintained through that relationship with God that allows Him to refine us, to burn off our impurities, to prune and cut off the dead parts that we may be clinging on to in our lives. You know, the impurities uh, that need refining are those things that we, it's anything that we allow into our lives that isn't of God. It's any other agenda going on in our life that's not of God. It's hatred, it's sin, it's those things that aren't of God. And then the dead branches that need pruning are those things in our lives where maybe God blessed once. Maybe God had a blessing over your life for something for a ministry. Maybe God, God had a blessing over your life for a season. An experience. And maybe God wants to do something new and let that die and cut it away. You know, I come from a background that is steeped in tradition. And I think that sometimes we can become religious about what we do and not see what God is doing. And so I think that if we're able to remain pure in heart, having salvation in Christ and allowing God to do His sanctifying work continually. 
with a desire to please God in all things with no hidden agendas. And the longing to serve God and to serve others, to serve each other. For the sheer joy of honoring our Creator. I think that we'll then begin to see what God is already doing and where God is at work around our lives and in our lives. The effect is that as we serve with pure hearts, as we begin to see what God uh, is already, is, is that we begin to see what God is already blessing around us. We see the work that God is doing. And we begin to see more of God in our lives. The miracles. Who else wants to see miracles? Healing. Blessing. Favor. For us and for others. All that God may be glorified through who we are in Him. Amen. We see 